hello, hello, and welcome to the 10-Minute Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Stefan. Thank you so much for checking us out. I have a wonderful special guest yet again on the show, our resident Golden State Warriors fan, friend Corey. How's it going, Stefan? It's going great. Thanks so much for being here. We just watched Game 2. Tell me your thoughts. I mean, it's kind of what we all expected. Uh, 122 to 103 final. Steph went off, had nine threes, finals record. Great to see. Mm-hmm. My prediction as MVP of the series, if you all remember. Um, so that was nice. The biggest thing was just getting back to Warriors ball movement. Yeah. JaVale McGee, six for six from the field, 12 points. Sean Livingston, five for five, 10 mm-hmm. points. And most of these were dunks, layups. And so once you get that going and then couple that with Steph shooting well, Kevin Durant was uber efficient. Clay was great, and it, you're just not going to win. I mean, LeBron almost had a triple-double again with yeah. 29 points, but it's not 50. Yeah. So they needed those, I guess, 19 more points to uh, to make this a game. Tell me what your thoughts are on LeBron in this game. I kept joking when we were watching it. He had a quiet 28 points. Did you think that he looked a little bit tired out there, a little bit maybe misfocused? I think he played fine. I mean, he went 29-13-9. It's hard to knock that effort. And yeah. Shot 10 for 20 and 2 for 4 from 3, but he's essentially got to be the entire team mm-hmm. every game yeah. and has been throughout the playoffs and has done it really well. I mean, he I think he was 48-48 and then 51 over the past three games before now. Yeah. That's just unsustainable, especially when the Warriors ratcheted up the defense a little bit. Yeah. and. He didn't get a ton of help. That's true. In this game, Kevin Love looked pretty good overall at 22, but they missed so many corner threes. Yeah. It was like almost a shocking amount of corner threes. Yeah. So something interesting, and I don't know, I've talked to my dad about this a few times. Defense is different now uh, with the emphasis on three pointers. Mm-hmm. It's just about closeouts to get people off the three point line now. You're not closing out and shuffling your feet, it's almost jumping past them. Yeah. So. When maybe this was great defense, but it looked like they were wide open. It's yeah. hard to tell for me. I, I I don't know. Yeah, it's just a different world these days. I definitely agree. A lot of uh, it was interesting because in some aspects of game one and game two, they're letting people play. So there's a lot of contact that they're allowing, but then others, it's like like the the three that Steph hit where he got fouled, where he just fell down, and the refs call it three. It's like. Uh, there's literally no contact, but, you know, what are your thoughts on how the refs are are letting this series play out? I don't know. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about refing in game one, obviously, especially the call that was switched on LeBron, which, according to the rule book, it sounds fine, but Mm -hmm. something I've never seen, so we were surprised when we were watching it a couple days ago. And obviously Cleveland fans are mad, but it was the right call. So it's kind of a weird catch-22 in that way because yeah. it probably shouldn't have been reviewed. But yeah. it is what it is. Uh, I don't know. The NBA has always kind of been let the guys in the post get away with it and mm-hmm. then call it a lot tighter on the outside. I think overall it hasn't been too bad in this series. And it's been both ways too. Yeah. So both teams are getting hacked inside. Yeah. Both teams are getting calls on the outside for three-point shots and mm-hmm. even long twos with hits on the hits on the elbow and stuff. So it's yeah. been okay. So I have a question for you, Stefan. Oh, I'm going to okay. throw it back to you. All right. The host with the most. Um, so my question is, this is Warriors-Cavs 4. Yeah. Do you think this is good for the NBA, bad for the NBA, or just kind of in the middle? I think it's good for the NBA. There's one thing that the NBA, I think, has always prided itself on, and it's rivalries. You know, uh, 
when we think of good basketball, we always think back to the Celtics and the Lakers. Like that's literally what everyone refers to, you know, of good rivalry. You know, even when we shift sports and we think about, you know, uh, even football, you know, the Steelers and Patriots rivalry is some something that always brings a lot of fans out, you know, and usually brings the best, you know, of, of football players out and, and the best play from both teams. And so I actually think this is good for the NBA because not only is it allowing you know, fan bases to grow with popularity of the game. You know, people really enjoy watching Steph, you know, all over the country and, you know, all over the world. And same with LeBron, you know, so the fact that they get to root for them year in and year out is great. And it increases, you know, revenue because people are buying jerseys, you know, they're um, buying gear, you know, they're paying, you know, thousands of dollars to come to the U.S. to watch a game, you know. So I think it's actually better for the sport to have, you know, maybe three or four teams that are at the top of the league than it is to have, you know, maybe every year the finals are a different team, um, which, you know, would kind of, I think, would decrease um, interest in the NBA because it's just always a crapshoot of, like, every year of, like, you know, what team's going to be good. It's kind of like March Madness, you know. It's like it's anyone, anyone can go to, you know, the Final Four, you know, but it, it's, you know, the fan bases of, of, you know, sort of the four bedrock teams in college basketball that, you know, create most of the revenue and make those teams, real, you know, really well worth it. So I actually think it's, it's better for the sport to, you know, um, see these two teams again. Do I think they'll ever be in the NBA Finals again? I don't think so. I think it would be really hard, you know, for LeBron to come back again and, you know, if he stays with the Cavs, you know. It's a big if. Yeah, a big if. Um, and even for the Warriors, I think it's going to be tough for them maybe next year. I mean, obviously we'll have to see what happens with Houston, but um, I think it's it would be tough for them to meet again for a fifth time. You know, I think maybe if they met again, people would be like, okay, I'm kind of over this. But I think it's actually been good, especially because, you know, I think both teams think that, you know, the series should be split 2-2, you know, and it's not. It's 3-1, and so um, – or – it's 2-1 right now. Who knows, you know, who knows what will happen in this finals. But, um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, I think you're right on that point. If you look back at all the best eras of the NBA, whether it's the rivalry of the 60s with the Lakers-Celtics, 70s didn't really have that big of a rivalry and kind of suffered because of it. But then yeah. 80s with Magic and Kareem on the Lakers and then Bird and McHale on the Celtics and then even 90s into the Bulls and early 2000s really sucked yeah uh, i mean the lakers were great but after that it wasn't particularly interesting yeah. i do think it's good and especially with two like you're talking about of the most international stars mm -hmm. well known with steph and lebron it's obvious and kd too yeah it's obviously great to have the exposure and don't forget china clay yeah so. cannot forget him at all um an interesting part of this series and part of last series has been the absence of andre iguodala what do you think the Warriors do in this offseason? Because part of their sort of Hamptons five really hinges on him being a huge part of this team and the fact that they're able to, you know, defend their Western Conference title, you know, and go to the finals and they're up two games, you know, almost looks like it could be a sweeper win in five games, you know, without Andre. Kind of looks like he might not be a necessary part of the team. Yeah, it's been a been an interesting season for Andre, especially after signing the three year deal this off season. Kind of a roller coaster ride in that he was not great during the regular season, and if you look back, he was definitely saving himself. Yeah, he's getting old. Yeah, he's, I think thirty four at this point, and you know has a couple years left, but not a ton. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing was he was saving himself, and then looked great in the early part of the playoffs. And then got hurt. Yeah. It's just like, oh, man, right when he was starting to really pick it up. Mm -hmm. I think he's still a crucial part of the team, especially with how 
uh, shallow the pool of talent is right now on the Warriors. They're That's really true. playing seven or eight guys, and Livingston has stepped in ably. He's done really well, and JaVale actually has played great in the finals. It's all mm-hmm. about matchups, but after that, I mean, Kevon Looney has shown moments. Yeah. Jordan Bell, moments, but uh-huh. neither of them are particularly reliable. So it's going to be interesting to see. They're going to need to sign some veteran guys who are looking for a ring this offseason yeah. just to shore up the kind of weak bench, which has been some somewhat of a strength the entire time that the Warriors have been good over the past few years. And yeah. so it's been quite a shift to have such a focus on the best four guys. Mm-hmm. And we used to be teams. I'm saying we as in the Warriors. Cause, <laughs> you know, that's how it happens. But anyways, well, especially in 2015, it was like all these guys coming off the bench, Barbosa, yeah. um, Sean, uh, Iggy, all these guys, they yeah, they were killing it. Yeah. And really building leads during that time. David Lee, mm-hmm. uh, even Bogut came off the bench at times. So it's been strange to just be such a starter-heavy team. Yeah. And there's definitely moves that need to be made this offseason because yeah. the bench is weak. Yeah. So I want to actually flip uh, in the little time we have left. Um, I just want to flip your perspective here. Now, if you are the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, what do you do? What adjustments do you make, if any, in game three to see basically if you can beat your favorite Golden State Warriors? Yell at J.R. Smith and <laughs> Jeff Green to start making some shots from the corner. I yeah. I don't know. I think they've actually had a decent game plan. Mm-hmm. It's really tough to stop this team, obviously. And if Steph's hitting some of those shots, like the one he hit over Kevin Love tonight where clock's running down, he's yeah. just falling away and just chucks it up and it's a rainbow. And it goes in. I mean, he's going to make some of those. Yeah. You kind of have to live with that. Uh, some of the other ones were pretty open, so you mm-hmm. got to do a little bit better closing out. But I don't know. They've looked fine. I feel like they're playing some of the best basketball of the playoffs for them. Yeah, They're just up against a team that has a lot more talent than them. And they're obviously weak on in their bench, too, and yeah. can't really play more than about eight guys. So I really don't know. You're in a tough position. Maybe tell LeBron to score 60 and get <laughs> 15 assists. I yeah. Mean, what else are you going to do? Because they really are spacing the floor well. They're mm-hmm. really getting good shots. They're moving the ball well. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, this is this would be strange, but maybe it's just instead of taking those wide open threes, go to the basket. Yeah. Because they're getting the Warriors to rotate and kind of get out of position, and LeBron's getting two and three on him all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe just drive hard to the rim and see if you can get lob passes to yeah. someone like Tristan Thompson on the backside, something like that. I don't know. They just got to do something different. Yeah. But... If they make some of these shots, mm-hmm. then it's a closer game. Yeah. So I really don't know. Yeah. I think they played, you know, Cleveland has played as well as they can. You know, in game one, obviously super close. Should have won that one. You know, game two, even though it was somewhat of a blowout, it was like pretty close right up until, you know, the fourth quarter. And, you know, even LeBron, like I said, he had kind of had a quiet game. But, you know, George Hill kind of stepped up. Kevin Love stepped up. So, you know, I kind of agree with you. They're playing as well as they could, you know, but I definitely agree that I think they could definitely drive to the basket. And especially, I think, being at home the next couple of games, like, they're going to get some of those calls that maybe they haven't got, you know, in game one and game two, you know, from just the, the refs and whatnot. So I definitely think that they should spend a lot more time, you know, trying to, you know, dive to the rim and, and find the open man that way, you know, and not always just settle for open threes, especially if they're not falling. So. Yeah, that's what the Warriors did today, too. They got a lot of dunks and layups. Because of the switching of the Cavs and the double teaming and just getting a bounce pass into JaVale or getting a bounce pass into Sean or someone. Yeah. Even Draymond had a couple wide open nooks just because they're hedging out so far on KD and stuff. So maybe that's the key for the Cavs as well to try to take advantage of that overplaying. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you once again, Corey, for joining us on the 10-Minute Basketball Podcast. We'll have you on 
very soon. And thanks everyone for listening and have a wonderful week.